Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. It's time for JT The Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different. JT The Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation and saying, man, a lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT with the hour number two of the show. And we are brought to you by Resorts World, where I'll be tonight. Go to Resorts World tonight with my wife. We're going to be rolling through. Got a friend in town. They say, where do you want to go? I say, Resorts World. Have you seen it? No, we're new to town. I said, you got to see Resorts World. And we'll take them to Wally's. We'll take them over to 8 Cigar Lounge. We'll hang out and walk around the gaming areas. Go up top. Resorts World, proud partner of our show. Where we do Monday Night Football at Doghouse Saloon. And I'll tell you about my upcoming Monday Night Football party, which will be there. It's a lot of fun. We give away prizes, drinks, jerseys, and all that. You got to have a Monday Night Football show in Vegas. I've been doing it since my Gold Coast days. Back in the day. Raiders are taking on the Colts. The breaking news today. The Raiders put Darren Waller. And Hunter Renfro on injured reserve. They will have to miss four games. The next four games they could return for the game against the Rams in Los Angeles later on in December. It's a big loss. I was optimistic that Darren, who was trying to play the last couple of weeks, could go again. Clearly a setback there. An oblique for Hunter Renfro, who was significantly concussed earlier in the year. So these are throwaway seasons for both those guys. You only have one career. And I don't fault anyone for getting injured, but when you got guys who have caught 100 balls in a season, when you throw this into their average for their entire career, it's going to hurt. And that's what football's about. It's a physically demanding sport, and if you can't go, you just can't go. If you're injured, you got to get healthy. These are long-term players, young players in the league still, and we want to see their, their upside, hopefully, at the end of this year or in years to come. You don't notice I don't get any sympathy calls for Derek Carr here, which I think you Raider fans should own up to it. You know, you sit there, you're pretty critical of Carr. I think I'm fair and critical of Carr. No one's called me a Carr ass kisser once in the entire time he's been here. I, I call it straight with Carr. Like to see him run more. Like to see better performances out of him. But look at Derek this year. What's the story going to be said this year at the end of the year with Derek when he didn't have Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro? And he had a mix-and-match offensive line as they're trying to rebuild the offensive line. I would hope that Derek would treat this the way he should as a challenge, and he steps up and has a big game. That will require Derek to run the ball on third down. That will require Derek to extend plays outside the pocket, not check down and throw it deep. And again, we all know that Devontae is going to be double-teamed. Who cares? He's been double-teamed for the last four or five years. He's been in the league... I talked to the coach about it. You'll hear it tomorrow. One of only four players with 700-plus receptions and 80-plus touchdowns. One of four guys to ever do that. You don't think Jerry Rice was double-teamed all the time? These guys are all double-teamed. He can get open. He can get open and make a big play. And he's available to do that, but he's going to have to play at a super high level. 
Longtime friend of the show, Jake Query, kind enough to join us from Indianapolis. He knows everything about sports, everything in the state. <laughs> and I wanted to get some Colts inside from you. Jake, how you been? What's happening? JT, it is always a pleasure to be on with you. I appreciate it. And uh, it's been a crazy week, no question about that. And I think, uh, obviously, I know there's some hyperbole there that I know everything about sports. I can tell you that even whether somebody is the biggest Confucius, Nostradamus, Da Vinci, Michelangelo of sports, whatever it might be, which I'm none of those, uh, they would still probably be grasping at what exactly has taken place with the Colts over the course of the last week in comparison to where they were thought to be at the beginning of the season to now. And I know that as a, you know, in covering the Raiders, you can probably yeah. relate to that. But that's the NFL, man. Yeah, Jake, and it makes this game so much more interesting, doesn't it, nationally, all week. All it's been. You got some great teams in this league. You got drama with Brady, massive drama with Aaron Rodgers. Can Josh Allen play? Because he's hurt. And everybody's leading their shows with Jeff Saturday and what Mr. Ursay did with the Colts here. You know all the players here. You've been covering sports there a long time. How bizarre is this? Do you like the move? Can it light a fire? What are they saying on the ground in Indianapolis? Great questions. And let me begin with this. The big question that no one knows the certainty towards, although I think I have a pretty good idea, and a lot of us that cover the team feel like we have a pretty good idea, is was the Jeff Saturday move a move that was made to salvage right now or a move that was made to start looking towards where this franchise is headed? And I personally believe it's the latter. Um, You know, listen, I think – JT, that Jeff Saturday is a beloved figure here. He is a beloved figure within the organization, unquestionably. And, you know, I could probably go on for 90 minutes about it. But the reality is, I think Jim Mercer got to a point where he just felt like enough was enough, and he was at his breaking point. And so I think Jeff Saturday has been brought in. I know that Jim Mercer is going to publicly say this is to try to stay in position for this season. And maybe even... In his conscience, he believes that. Mm -hmm. But deep down in the back of his mind, I think Jim Mercer knows that Jeff Saturday was really brought in for two reasons. The first being, I think he's been brought in to do an inventory of product, to overlook and give an outsider perspective as to what the issue was that has caused them, particularly on the offensive line, to falter this year, and then go back to Ursay at the end of the season and say, here are your guys you run with, and here are the guys that where there are areas that need to be shored up. The challenge becomes then within a franchise and with any line of work, but is the fact that you have Chris Ballard, the general manager, who one would think in that vein has essentially been usurped here by somebody brought in. I think, JT, to put it in Raider language, mm-hmm. To put it in Google Translate to Raider language, I think what we are seeing, I don't know this, but I have a pretty strong suspicion of it. I think what we're seeing is something that the Raiders went through, and that is that the Raiders have been one of the great organizations in pro sports. And if you really look at the Raiders' glory years, Madden and Cliff Branch and, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Stabler, and, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. You know the names. You know, Al Davis had a great pride in that. And I think Al Davis was just a super proud man about what his franchise had meant and where its place was within the annals of the NFL. And then I think what you saw towards the later Al Davis years was a guy who understandably and respectfully was oftentimes making aggressive moves in an attempt to relive the days and the Mm -hmm. years that he had seen in its glory. 
because he knew, you know, there are a lot of franchises, JT, the Lions, the, you know, there are a lot of franchises that have never tasted that taste, right? They've never had that great party and that moment. So they don't have, they don't know what they're chasing. And I think that Jim Irsay is still chasing that. He saw it. He, he saw it in Miami in a rainstorm. And 2006, to a lot of people, is a long time ago. It is. And I don't think that Jim Irsay it is because he can still taste it. And I think this is trying desperately to kind of latch onto that and ride that wave one last time to see if it can get his franchise yeah. where he, back to where he thinks it should be. Jay Query is our guest, a longtime Indianapolis Colts insider, a great sports talk host, and you're right about that. That was the Prince halftime in the rain. Mr. Ursay has this unbelievable guitar and rock and roll memorabilia collection. Uh, I know about that. Mark Davis has been a Jimi Hendrix collector his entire life. I can imagine what they talk about when they get together for rock and roll. But, uh, Jake, back to this, the, what the Raiders are doing, too, as you can tell, they have a new regime here. Dave Ziegler, the GM, Josh McDaniels, they're evaluating the roster. And a lot of guys, not some, a lot of them aren't going to be here next year. But they're fielding a team, and they got to turn it around. I mean, you want to talk about must-win for the Raiders. It was must-win at New Orleans, must-must-win at Jacksonville, and now it's in front of their home fans. And they need to react, and they need to play big and beat this Colts team that looks a little bit disorganized with this move. But you posted something on your Twitter feed that you got from – Jeff Saturday, a motivational speech that he gave you for a high school team there. That's what I think he's going to bring to Vegas. Share on how he can motivate this team and what he's like. Well, Jeff Saturday is a salt-of-the-earth guy, no mm-hmm. doubt about it, JT. And he is a guy that I understand. I think Jeff Saturday understands. It is not conventional in the NFL for a guy that was a player to become a coach without having gone through the ranks. I mean, it's been you know 60-plus years since we've seen somebody become a head coach that was not a college or a professional assistant or head coach, and then just, boom, get the opportunity. We see that in the NBA. We don't in the NFL. I don't know from a schematic standpoint how good Jeff Saturday is going to be. I don't know from a managing timeouts, clock management standpoint, how good Jeff Saturday is going to be. But I do know this. I think Jeff Saturday is a guy, oftentimes, if you look at coaches that were players that became great coaches, you know, Steve Kerr, He's got great players on mm-hmm. the Steve Kerr, you could say, is a great coach, right? You know, guys that were that were once players, oftentimes people go, I didn't know that guy played in the league because they were average, the below average players that scrapped and clawed every inch to just to get to the pro level. Jeff Saturday kind of is that guy. He was obviously a very good player in the league, but he was not a guy that ever had anything handed to him. And so I think that he relates to, I think to be a great coach, Sure, it's wonderful to be able to connect with and relate to the star guy on the team. But I think the really, truly great coaches connect with the 53rd man on the team and the 52nd man on the team. And they make those guys that might be ready to throw in the towel believe in themselves and push through and break through that barrier. And I do think that Jeff Saturday has that in him because that's how he maintained to play in the league Mm -hmm. for so long. And then he has that credence and that immediate cred because of the fact that he was attached at the hip, essentially, literally and figuratively, to Peyton Manning for the better part of Peyton Manning's career. It's easy to forget that guys in the league right now may not even remember a lot of those playing days of you know 15 years ago. But he has an energy, he has a leadership, and he just has a genuine authenticity about mm-hmm. him as a person. Does that mean he's going to be a great coach? Does that mean that this gamble by Jim Mercy is going to pay off? Absolutely no guarantee there whatsoever. None. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this. The Colts may schematically be beaten the Colts may talent wise be beaten 
but the Colts will not be beaten in terms of having the proper tools to believe that they can win a game going into it for Jeff Saturday. How long that lasts, I don't know. But at least in the short term, that's going to be the effect, I think. Jay Query, as we wrap it up, so I want to go rapid fire. I want to get a few more in before we run out of time here. First off, Sam Ellinger, quarterback, how do you get sacked nine times in a game by a team that wasn't supposed to be great this year in New England? What is the problem there? How mobile he can he be? Should the Raiders be concerned that he's going to tuck and take off on third down, or is he going to stay in the pocket when Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are breathing around the edge and make a big play? problem is the, the edge is collapsing too quickly for him to even be mobile. He is a mobile guy. That's why he was put in this position, theoretically. Uh, but he doesn't even have time to get out of it because the Colts line is not just having issues on the ends, JT. It's all the way across the board. It starts right in the middle, and the ends are collapsing. They are an absolute sieve right now. It's as bad an offensive line as there is in the NFL. All right, passing defense is sixth in the league for the Colts. They give up less than 200, 192.3. Total defense is fifth at 306 yards a game. What are they doing defensively? They don't have necessarily guys that jump out at you in terms of their edge rush speed. But Quiddipay starting to come along, a guy they drafted out of the first, you know, in the first round out of Michigan a couple of years ago. DeForest Buckner has played very, very well. And then the other thing they're getting is, especially against the run, Grover Stewart has been outstanding in terms of their interior. But that's forcing those guys on the outside to be able to get in. So they are getting good pass rush. They do have good corners as well. So they can get coverage sacks, and they can get to you pretty quickly as well. Yeah, their third down defense is fifth overall. Tell me about that because – for the Raiders, they, they have to extend plays, and they haven't. They've been going off on third down here. What, what do the Colts do on third down? Do they bring a lot of extra pressure? Because I know the linebackers are really good. They do like to. It's interesting because Shaquille Leonard, formerly known as Darius Leonard, mm-hmm. uh, has not played a lot this year, and he is a turnover guy. He is a turnover machine. But the guys that are taking his spot, essentially, Bobby Okereke, as well as you know EJ Speed is in from time to time, Zaire Franklin, those guys have probably better side-to-side speed. So they've got some good range at the linebacker position. Stephon Gilmore really, I think, has been their difference, though, JT, to be frank with you. He's a guy, former defensive player of the year, that they found uh, a fountain of youth with them, and he's played really well at the corner. That's allowed guys on their line to get to the quarterbacks because they're getting good coverage, which is extending the amount of time those guys need to get to the quarterback. And on third down in short-yarded situations, like I said, Grover Stewart's been really good against the run. Oh, Jake, I'm one of the only human beings on planet Earth that were here inside the building. We had no one in the building. No one. When the Colts were here, Phillip Rivers, what happened the last time in Vegas here. Now I'm dying to know if you think the fans will travel this time because we've had games where there's been a lot of opposing fans because they want to see Vegas. They want to see this beautiful building. What are you hearing on the ground? A lot of indie road trippers coming here. Or are they going to pass and save their money for the new economy and Thanksgiving? Okay, great question. And the answer is, JT, and this is the brilliance of the NFL. Most of those plans were made a long time ago, right, brother? <laughs> so people that were thinking once they got up to a 3-5 and 1 start, people like, oh, really, man? Like, I'm going, I just had a guy, a listener of ours this morning. Look, I bought this package two months ago, but it's still Vegas. So I do think there will be Colts representation there. I think there's intrigue. I wouldn't say optimism, but intrigue on what they can do now with Jeff Saturday. I think people are realistic, and I think they know what the overall – long-term vision here is in terms of why Saturday's been brought in. But it's still Vegas, man. It's still one of the great cities. It's, you know, a fun place, great weather, and we've been blessed with good weather here so far this year, but we know it ain't going to last forever. So 
Viva Las Vegas, baby. Thanks for doing this, Jay. Good to talk to you. Hope that we connect at the Super Bowl or sooner than that. Sounds good. Just win, baby. You got it. There he is, Jay Query, a big sports talk coach. He's got that booming voice. You know who he is? On top of that, too, he's the voice of the Indianapolis 500. He's the announcer at the Indianapolis 500. He's got a big job. I talk to him every, you know, maybe once or twice a year when we talk indie sports there, and he made a good point. I was at that Rivers game. Uh, they played here December 13th, 2020. The Colts won 44 to 27. The Raiders won last year in Indianapolis 23 to 20 on their road to the playoffs. Remember that. It's going to be a good game. No doubt about it, it's going to be a good game. Hey, when we come back, Gary Lawless will join us, one of the best hockey broadcasters, period. And he's going to get an update here on VGK. Why? Why not? I'm talking Vegas Golden Knights every day. And if the Raiders start winning more and more and more, we won't have time maybe to fit everybody in. But we always have room for Gary Lawless. He'll join us next. As we're brought to you by the 872 Laborers, they built Allegiant Stadium with Tommy White. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. Jack Eichel's line has come on for Vince. Eichel, Stevenson, and Stone, and Eichel breaks up a pass, leads to a chance. Stevenson, he centers for Stone, tipped home! Jack Eichel finished it! 2-1 to Golden Knights! Golden Knights Radio. Dan Duva on the call with the great Gary Lawless. You see Gary on TV, you hear him all over the globe because he's a global hockey insider and great to talk to him to kick off this season. Gary, 12-2, 24 points. I'm sure you got a little extra pep in your voice. How are you? I'm pretty good, JT. Yeah, it's a far cry from uh, what a lot of the experts were predicting. I think uh, I read in a number of places that by now the rebuild would be starting. Um, but uh, far from it. The Golden Knights, uh, uh, you know, proving what most people who really paid attention knew last year was that this roster was decimated by injury and was still an elite group and would bounce back, and uh, they have, even better than they were last year. So let's stay with that, Gary. In all your years covering this team, where do you rank them with the other teams that we've seen that have gone to the Cup Final, deep into the playoffs? How deep is this roster? Yeah, this is the best skating roster the team has had. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, you, you know, Fleury and Leonard won the Jennings Trophy one year, and uh, Fleury won the Vezina. So, you know, the goaltending component of it, uh, it's going to take a little while longer to judge that piece, although their numbers right now are um, better than anyone else has ever finished with, that's for sure. Uh, it, it, the sample size is a little too small, but they're off to a, a really good start leading the league in goals against and save percentage for most team save percentage for most of the season. Uh, but up front and, uh, and in particular down the middle and this top six defenseman, this is the best Vegas has ever had. And just, you know, Eichel, then Carlson, and then, uh, you know, a, a, the Nick Waugh, those three right there has your top centerman. Vegas has never been that deep down the middle. And then you go and you look at, uh, um, at the defenseman, you've got two legitimate top pairings. Uh, mm-hmm. Petrangelo and Martinez, that's a top pairing anywhere. McNabb and Theodore, that's a top pairing anywhere. And then White Cloud and Hig, that's the best third pairing in the NHL. They're, they're a second pairing on most teams in the NHL. And, uh, and you know, they don't really get played like a third pairing. Mm-hmm. They were out there against Austin Matthews and his group a ton the other night. 
they don't get sheltered minutes. They uh, everybody plays heavy minutes for Vegas, and it's a real luxury for Bruce Cassidy. I know that uh, Sheldon Keith of the Maple Leafs prior to that game said, "Well, we get last change tonight, so we're going to look for some different things in terms of matchups." He didn't find the answer he wanted. Gary Lawless joins us. Wow, what great knowledge on the Vegas Golden Knights. We do this more on radio and talk shows than you do in the booth. But what about all the negative fans who are worried about a goalie controversy with Robin Leonard and Flurry back in the day and all the issues? They'll never be as good without a star-studded goaltender. How is this rotation here? What's the ceiling in goal? Uh, well, first of all, I think these the, the two goalies that are have played this year have played better than most. Yeah, you know, there's a you know Sorokin on the island has been out of his mind. Ottinger was fantastic before he was injured, but the numbers that the, the Hellebuck in Winnipeg is probably uh, right now you know at a level that no one else in the NHL is at right at this moment. But these two guys in Vegas kind of splitting the work. Thompson playing a little more than Aiden Hill, but it's uh, um, you know Hill's had a lot of work as well. They've just been really, really good. Now, a lot of that is predicated on Bruce Cassidy's system. And what Vegas has done this year that they haven't done in previous years, they have limited the action right in front of the goalie. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, Cassidy's system will give the opposition the perimeter ice. You can have the ice around the boards and up around the blue line. You want to have the puck out there? We're not going to chase you out there. We're going to protect the ice right in front of our goalie. And that has paid huge dividends and made, made it so that the goalies are not overtaxed. Meanwhile, at the other end of the ice, they, they do heat maps, JT, mm-hmm. where they basically they put, they map the ice and where all the action is is red. Well, in front of Vegas' net, it's light blue. In front of the opposition net, it's dark red. They're getting all of their chances right in front of the opposition goalie, which is the place, the primary number one place to score in the NHL. So they have taken the good ice from the opposition and uh, at both ends of the ice. Uh, it's just it is a recipe for success. And Bruce Cassidy, he's preached it, but then he's followed up every day in practice. They do. They have game situations whenever they practice, where they protect that ice in front of their own net and where they go after that good ice at the other end of the ice. Gary Lawless, what a deep dive on this great hockey team. Their fast start here on Raider Nation Radio, our sister station here. We cover the Golden Knights and really excited about this. So a couple individual players. Petrangelo, if I have this right, leading the team with 10 assists, 23.30 minutes per game here. Any concern with the amount of time he's playing, how crisp he is because he's strong, he's a monster when he's attacking and he's setting up other players. What's the improvement from last year with Pertangelo? No improvement from him per se, just everybody around him. And, you know, I think that he was one of the few guys that didn't get have, have big, long injuries last year. Martinez was hurt so often last mm-hmm. year. Made it, it, it's, you know, he's got his security blanket in Alec Martinez back Alec allows Alex to go up ice and do the things that he wants to do offensively they really work well together uh, I think that's a big bonus from him and I think Martina I think the whole team including Petrangelo 
They're having way more fun than they did last year. Now, winning is a big part of that. But they're healthy. There seems to be a different attitude in the dressing room. Uh, and the guys have really benefit, benefited from that in terms of the psyche that they bring to the rink every day. Petrangelo is a happy guy, and that, uh, um, you know, that, that pays big dividends for him. And the other thing that, to remember about him, he's a notorious slow starter. Mm-hmm. It's, not, uh, it, it's hard for him mentally to get really locked in and amped up until later in the season, and in particular the playoffs. Playoffs has always been when he's played his best hockey. So if he's got a couple of years to give still yet, mentally and emotionally, really, really spells out a good story for the Golden Knights. Wrapping it up with Gary Lawless, con with his time here. So when you go from rink to rink around North America and you go on television and radio with other guests, they're all asking you about Eichel. Eichel, Eichel, how great is he playing this year, the fast start, and how Vegas made the move to get him, the risk-reward from Mr. Foley on down through management. Take me behind the scenes on getting him and now how he looks. Well, it's a pretty fascinating story because you know, people want the results immediately. And Vegas paid a big price for Josh Eichel. And, you know, last year was never going to be the year because Jack Eichel was never going to be at the height of his powers. He didn't train that summer. Mm-hmm. He, he, had, he, was, he needed neck surgery. So he, he never got started last year until after the trade, two weeks after the trade, when he actually had his surgery. Then he had to rehab. Then he finally gets back on the ice. He breaks his thumb. Like, last year was never going to be the year. But in today's society, Mm -hmm. where everybody wants things immediately, you know, people were... It was amazing. When the Golden Knights went in to lose to Buffalo last year, people were saying Vegas lost the trade because of one game. It was preposterous. Kelly McCrimmon has gotten... And George McPhee, first of all, they built a roster in the expansion process that went to the Stanley Cup final. They've been to three Final Fours. Now they have, again, the best team in hockey. The discussion about Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee should start with, are they the best management duo in the National Hockey League? That's where it should start. Now, truly to make that claim, you've got to win the Stanley Cup. They haven't done that. They've done everything else. And this team gives them their best chance so far. People are starting to realize that. All right, Gary, finally, who are the teams that Vegas needs to be worried about down the road or coming up on the schedule that you think is going to be a great test to test this Golden Knight team with all the points and what they've done so far? Well, they're going up to Edmonton next weekend, and that's going to be, I think, a really important game for them. Their schedule, actually, you know, they go from here, they've got Buffalo. Then they have St. Louis, who are in real trouble right now. Then they've got San Jose. They're in trouble. Then they have Anaheim. They're in trouble. But then they get Edmonton. And uh, Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, that will be a really interesting test for the Golden Knights. Although they just, you know, Toronto's the sixth best team in hockey right now. They just went in there and beat them. So, uh, you know, I, I think Vegas needs to worry about themselves more than anybody else. Stay healthy. Continue to learn. They haven't even learned Bruce Cassidy's system yeah. to the point where it is, you know, second nature, and they're not thinking about it. Just keep continue down that path. The power play is looking better than it has ever in the history of the Golden Knights. The penalty kill needs to get uh, gets to get fine tuned a little bit. Worry about internal things 
not about the rest of the league. This is this is a Stanley Cup contender without question. All right. So in the next month or two, last one, what is the best city that you look forward to on the road? Great meal, glass of wine, friends, family, the view, looking out. Give me that city that you're looking at the schedule saying, man, I can't wait to get there. Well, if my Winnipeg Blue Bombers <laughs> defeat the BC Lions this Sunday in the West Division Final in the Canadian Football League, that will line things up beautifully that when we are in Vancouver, it will be Grey Cup Sunday. And Ooh. Vancouver is a fantastic city. I have got a number of restaurants on speed dial waiting to make the booking because if they lose, I'm not going to be in a party frame of mind. But if they win, <laughs> there will be a, there will be a Grey Cup party held in Vancouver. All the VGK broadcasters and content staff and some other special guests will be in attendance. That's the next... Uh, that's the next big event on the schedule for me. No doubt about it. I thought you were going to say last Tuesday, Lakeside Park with Rush, Toronto, and a global city like that. But uh, that works. I'll, I'm circling that game because we love talking football, and uh, I'll tie it into that. Gary, always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for doing this. i, I got to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Mike O'Shea, who is the head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, mm-hmm. maybe the greatest special teams player in CFL history, made the Detroit Lions – uh, has a player and then got cut the day after last cut. cut. One of the group, this would be three titles in a row. Mm. I can't believe an NFL team is he relates to players. You, do a little digging on him. I will. Players love to play for him. He has a strict culture. They don't have any trouble there. Things are they run a real clean organization. Guy, but the players relate to him and understand him. I can't believe. He couldn't be a special teams coordinator or an assistant head coach in the NFL. I think I, I think the NFL is missing out on him, wow. and it's amazing. The, the CFL just to cut below the NFL, like in terms of half the players that play in the CFL all played D one and were big names, and then you got a few Canadians mixed in because of the roster rules. But this is the second best football league in the world, and he is by far the best coach in that league. I mean, come on, Fred Bolitnikoff played and coached in the CFL. We're good. There you go. <laughs> we know the history. Gary, I'll see you on the homestand. Thanks for doing this. All right, thanks, JT. Gary Lawless is so good. If you're a hockey fan, you just got your hockey fix. And let me tell you another thing. If you're sitting in the Bay Area or you're listening to us in L.A. or anywhere around the world, what, what is JT talking hockey for? Number one team in all of hockey. They lead the NHL in points. We're here in Vegas. It's exciting. We're pumped up. Uh, they just beat Toronto in overtime. Look at this winning streak. Oh, my God. The winning streak started on the 24th against Toronto at home, and it continues. Now they're at Buffalo. Then they come home Saturday, November 12th, St. Louis, San Jose, Arizona. All of these games that are here, man. Wow. I'm loving this. This is fantastic. All right, 702-365-9200. Johnny Katz joins us next the, not the, the entertainment reporter in Vegas. He just got done, just got done minutes ago with John Fogarty. For his feature on that, John Fogarty will be entertaining us at halftime at Allegiant. And guess who's lighting the torch? Hall of Famer Richard Seymour. Richard Seymour is coming to Vegas to get his Hall of Fame plaque right by the torch. Richard Seymour will be lighting the torch. 
Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Yes, John Fogarty performing at Allegiant Stadium halftime. That's a big deal to a lot of people to get Fogarty, a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Johnny Katz will join us in a minute. He just finished a one-on-one. Fogarty's performing here and his residency in Vegas, so get a chance to go out and see him there. It's also a salute to service game, as you know. So that'll be very interesting because of the military effect on this game. If you're currently serving this country, if you've served in the past, please come out to this game. Uh, the Raiders will do a tremendous pregame, a salute, a flyover. People say, what about the flyover? It's a dome stadium. No, no, you could see through the roof and you could see through the lanai doors. You could see them coming in. Tremendous. The Raiders really do the best job in the NFL. I got friends of mine who work for other teams. They say, how do the Raiders do it? Well, Mark Davis is launching a team in a brand new market, and the pregame halftime is really important to him. Most important is winning these games. So the breaking news today, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are on IR, injured reserve. That's the lead story at ESPN.com right now. I'm sure Q's going to be talking about it coming up on his show. And we'll see how this plays out because I look at it, Darren hasn't been available with the hamstring. We know that coming into every game we're optimistic But now that ship has sailed. We know that this has been something that they just can't get right. Hunter Renfro was a bit of a surprise today. I was the first person to hear about it. I was in the building before Schefter, Mike Florio, and all of that. And I did a double check. I was like, wow, really? Hunter's not going to be able to go. But with the oblique issue that he has and the fact that they want to protect these players long term and make sure they're okay, It's the right thing to do. And I know Raider fans, if you're hearing this for the first time, how do the Raiders win? Well, Dave Ziegler brought in a lot of depth at the receiver position, and Devontae's going to have to have a big game. And what is a big game for Devontae? I'll go first. A big game for Devontae, every game is double-digit receptions. Not targets, the receptions. 10 or 11 receptions, which is not impossible. He can do that in the prime of his career every game. Plus, him and Derek work together. So that happens. Matt Collins, four or five receptions. Give me 60 yards and a touchdown. And then Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau is a very good player. The Raiders historically haven't given Foster Moreau the opportunity to dominate games. They give him a look. He blocks very well. They give him a pass on third down or two. Let's see if Moreau can handle a bigger workload in the passing game, especially in the red zone there. I think he's a heck of a player. And then Josh Jacobs and the ability to catch screens and give a heavy dose to Josh in this game. How does that all play out? I don't know. I don't know what Josh McDaniels is going to call in this game. But I think we all agree, Raider Nation, that Josh McDaniels is probably going to be more aggressive than he's ever been considering what's happened with these leads. With these leads and getting away from Devontae in that last game because Jacksonville Played very well. Jacksonville made great adjustments, and their defense is tough 
and they played really hard, really hard in the second half of that game. But the Raiders wanted to establish the run from time to time, and I thought that that was – I thought they got away from it. I thought they got away from it, and they shouldn't have gotten away from it. And I was really concerned about that. When you have someone like Devontae, do not get away from Devontae. Overfeed him. Get him more in the short passing game and the long passing game. And I think that'll be really important in this game. Johnny Katz joins us. John Katz Lamitas, Las Vegas Review Journal, the king of entertainment in Vegas. And wow, Fogarty. We know that Fogarty's performing at halftime. What was it like to sit down with him today? Well, uh, it's good to be with you again, JT. Yeah, I just just ended with him here at uh, I'm at the Win um, Win Resort over at the uh, at Encore Theater, where he's uh, currently just resumed his residency. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and he talked all about. I've gotten to know John and his, uh, and his family over the years, and uh, it was great. He's he will be performing halftime of the uh, Raider game on Sunday. We talked about that. His him and his uh, brother Bob have had season tickets back in the uh, in the Oakland days in the uh, Oakland Coliseum, so he's been a fan for a long time. He's kind of got a, a Raider personality and a, a Raider vibe to him, so um, he's excited about that, about um, uh, about that appearance, and um, yeah, he's going to bring the hits to the show uh, here at Encore Theater. It's, uh, it's exciting to have him back. I think the world of him. As a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, the new documentary that was out that I saw, I believe, on Netflix, and the history of the band and the band and politics and what was happening with the country, the Vietnam War moving forward, how he's always redefined himself with new music, and then he's always collaborated with other artists. I don't care if it's Eddie Vedder or if it's Keith Richards. They all look at Fogarty differently because he's he's a pioneer in rock and roll, and he stood the test of time. Boy, you're right. Bruce Springsteen's another one. Yeah, um, he has played. He has played a, a clip of uh, him, his collaboration with uh, Brad Paisley, who's a friend of his. Um, I don't know that that's in the show currently, but yeah, you'd have to look very far, JT, to find a more influential band in the late '60s and Creedence Clearwater Revival. And John continues to uh, push uh, his opinion, his artistry, and, uh, he's, you know, he sounds as good as ever, and he really enjoys performing here at the Encore. He, he loves connecting with his fans, and it's a, it's a blazing show, you know, he's got all the hits, and, uh, he, he, uh, he brings them all, you know, it's, it's, he's a great guy to know. Yeah, it's, it seems great. Like Julie, yeah. Julie's running, the, running his career, you know, his wife, and she's very important to him, and we just, I just talked to her, too, so, a legend. John Katzlamitis is our guest as we talk entertainment on Raider Nation Radio. So I missed you by a night. I saw Train with Boz and the crew at Verge and then The Who the next night. Uh, your videos and your, your content from The Who was incredible. Did you think, because I've seen The Who dating back to when I was in high school, not to date myself, they were unbelievable. The energy of Pete Townsend was fantastic here. Big night at Dolby. How'd you say it? You know, um, yeah, it was... Uh, uh, <laughs> All that, uh, you know, they were musically great. They, they are, um, I, I will say this about that show, that it was great to see so many Las Vegas musicians on stage. Yes. The orchestra, more than 30, more than 30 on stage, Las Vegas players. And I was very happy to see them working with them because they deserve it. They sounded great. And, uh, and Roger Daltrey, you talk about Townsend's energy there. Roger Daltrey's voice throughout that show, I was really impressed at how strong he was throughout that performance. And I think as long as he can sing that way and as long as uh, Pete Townsend can play the guitar, they're gonna, they can play live in any kind of format, whether it's with an orchestra or just a, an acoustic night with. Um, but I, I thought it was terrific. I sat two seats from Bill Walton. 
that night. Big Red. He was, he was in our room. <laughs> Big Red, yep. <laughs> uh, we were talking to Johnny Katz. So let's get into F1, and I've seen you retweeting here and what the Bellagio is going to do with grandstands there. I don't see any confusion here, but a lot of fans were saying, wait, F1, I can get into the portal, I can buy tickets, and then they were blown away by the expense of them. I'm hearing rumors up and down the strip on what a basic suite at the Cosmo is going to go for, what these hotels are going for. I mean, it's almost alarming in a good way. It's going to price a lot of people out. What are they going to do to price some people in for this magnificent event next November? You know, I think that's a that's a good question, JT. I think what people are going to have to do is don't jump on these rates right away. You mm-hmm. know, I, I would wait it out. They 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 fluctuate. There's a surge pricing. There's a dynamic foot, however you want to term it, in in these packages that will um, alternate and will and will. Um, Will move. They're malleable uh, as the race, you know, comes and, and people return their packages and it, and the rates will fall if the demand isn't quite what they thought it was. There's a lot of ways to, to chart this, but I would chart it because mm-hmm. there's going to be availability. I think as the race gets closer, that uh, that's the only thing I can say. But mm-hmm. of course, it's an international draw. Of course, it's going to tr- attract top dollar and and create a new sort of entertainment on the strip that we haven't seen anymore. We just saw that with the Bellagio grandstands. We've never had that here in Las Vegas, that type of staging in front of the Bellagio. So, um, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> it's the market value right now. It's a market value. Johnny Katz, as we wrap it up, Garth Brooks residency tickets. Wow. His history here from the South Point with Steve Stallworth to everyone in town at Wynn. When you see the shows there, tell me about the residency. What's coming here? Because he brings his wife with him all the time, and Vegas loves Garth. Vegas loves Garth. Period, and, you, and, and, and in, in any forum, in any venue, any context, we've seen him at uh, everywhere from Encore Theater. My, I've seen him at Encore Theater all the way up to Allegiant Stadium. What we, what we're, what I've reported is that the, he's going to announce uh, early next week. I believe Monday. Tickets will go on sale subsequently after that, maybe a week or so after. They have not. Uh, we don't know when the when the tickets themselves will be on sale or any of the dates. But he's coming. I'm very confident he's coming to. The Coliseum after Adele uh, ends weekends with Adele, and it's going to be something special. And he has said previously that Trisha Yearwood, his wife, will perform with him. I think it's he says it's a no brainer. I agree. She walks on stage, and there's a huge, different level of energy when she walks out there with him. And uh, he can deliver any which way he wants. You know, he's done the acoustic, he's done the big, big productions, and uh, I'm I'm excited about this one. And finally, you had the walk on. That out of hell. Tell me about that. I saw some. Uh, yeah, I saw some viral news coming with you as you went on stage. What was that like? Yeah, I was a walk-on uh, a cast member for Bad Out of Hell at Paris Theater last night. That's the uh, uh, Meatloaf-inspired mm-hmm. uh, Jim Steinman-composed rock musical. It was opened about five weeks ago over there. And uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I was in four scenes. I uh, rode the drove, drove the motorcycle across the stage. Rode the motorcycle across the stage. I was involved in the scene where they uh, bring out the cake. Uh, during uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights on the car. They're, if you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. I was a chef in that scene. And uh, they dressed me up as a member of the Lost, the uh, rebel uh, group of uh, their kids, the Lost, but I referred to myself as the Elder Lost because they're all 18 except me. And this is, a, for me, it was a way to write a first-person story about what it's like to be in the show. For the show, it was a way to create buzz, simply. There's going to be other uh, media types who are going to be involved in the show. We've already had Lunchbox from the Bobby Bones show. He was uh, uh, on uh, right when the show opened. And it was a great deal of fun. I'm going to have it up on uh, the website on Sunday. And 
I enjoyed it. A very, very talented cast, super talented cast. And uh, yeah, I hope they can uh, they can stick it out and make it make the show uh, run for a long time at Paracedar. That's what this is really about. Is I'm trying to generate a conversation about the show. Last Great. last one, you two in the sphere. As we're almost seeing the completion of the sphere, what can you report on there? As the buzz is Bono is on a U.S. tour, talking about his book and having meet and greets and all about that. That's a monster here in Vegas. As we look at the calendar next year and what's going to happen after that with the Super Bowl in Vegas. Yeah, I've uh, reported. I'm really confident that September 29th and 30th are going to be the first weekend dates for U2 at the Sphere. Uh, Bono has finally mentioned that the words Las Vegas have come out of his mouth on his book tour. Uh, he says he can't say anything about it, but if we do it, it's going to be bigger and, and uh, different than anything we've done or you have seen ever in a new place. That's how he's put it. So that wow. all matches the Sphere. And it's going to be six weekends, 12 total shows, not consecutive weekends. So you'll have the 29th and 30th and then uh, continuing on on other weekends. I don't know that they even they know what those weekends will be. But this, as we sit here now, JT, this will be the, this marks the beginning of the sphere, these U2 shows. This is the first programming in the fall of next year for MSG Sphere. And I expect big acts yes. in, in U2's category to be coming in. No doubt about it. You had a lot of information on this hit. Thanks for doing this, and thanks for talking about Raiders Entertainment. We appreciate it. I'll see you out at the game. You got it, JT. Johnny Katz. Wow. I mean, the guy's having an unbelievable career out here reporting on everything that's happening. Can you imagine you two opening up the sphere and doing a residency there? The Adele residency, which is incredible. Jason Gathworth and his entire team at Caesars, what they're doing there. John Fogarty going to be performing at the Raider game coming up here. There's a lot to do in Vegas, and we hope you come out here. I've been here a long time, not as long as many people in this town, but it gets better and better. Tomorrow, Veterans Day, I know there's going to be some programming here, unique programming. We will be here because the Raiders are playing on Sunday, obviously, and it's football season. So we'll have my conversation with the coach, Josh McDaniels, tomorrow right at 1 o'clock. Also, Raiders Roundtable, Chris Matthews from 8 News Now. Thanks to, uh, to DeMond, who stepped in all week. And thanks to our guest today, man. What a show. DeMond pulled it off. Thank you. Jake Query, who is the insider for the Colts. Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. You just heard Johnny Katz. And the great Gary Lawless from the Vegas Golden Knights. That's a two-hour show, everybody. We just got that out in two hours. And I'm off the rest of the week at night. So I'm going to have me a cold bucket of Modelo's today. That's right. I'm going in my backyard around 3, and I'm going to crack open an ice-cold Modelo and reward myself for working with DeMond this week. We're back tomorrow on the flagship of the Silver and Black.